A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. And we got a Haley episode this week. Yeah, actually. It's pretty heavy on my topics. Yeah, it's heavy on Haley this week, so everybody's going to have to just slog through. It's like one of those episodes of your favorite show when you realize your favorite star isn't there this week. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Haley. Stop looking at me like that. I mean, I'm their favorite. (laughs) See, that's where you're so wrong. I know. Now, I don't ever want to find out who's the favorite because I got a feeling it's not me. Well, I mean, you've been on the show much longer. If they're listening, it's probably because Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not even go down that road because the emails are already starting to come in that they'd prefer me to be quiet. Anyway, it's a Haley episode. You've got so many different things that you do. You're a Renaissance woman. Wow, yeah. Yeah, look at that. Thank you. And we're going to be talking about a lot of those things. And one of them is beekeeping. Now, it's not something you do. It's not something I do yet. I really want to. Right. And you dug into it and you picked up so much information. And when you were walking me through it, I said, just stop talking because it's really good stuff. It's really interesting. I think it's great for the radio. And I want to hear it. Fresh. Candid. I want to have fresh ears when I hear it. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about that. But right now, let's talk about your home. You were thinking you got a new house. Yeah, back in September. And and it's a 1920 Craftsman. So it's, you know, over 100 years old. Mm -hmm. But it's beautiful. I was really excited to get an old home. And I was really excited that the exterior still had the original wood siding. That was a big selling point for me. Yeah, I thought that was funny because I said, you're going to have to paint that. And you said, yeah, I know. I can't wait. (laughs) And you were really excited. And it was, was. You had a crazy look in your eyes. And I said, well, what about like the lead paint that I assumed was probably on the side of the house? I was really holding out hope still that someone along the way had decided to abate the lead because... The siding in the few places the paint has started to peel off a little bit is in really good shape. So I thought, okay, maybe someone has really taken the time to do mm-hmm. this throughout its life, but no. Yeah, it turned out not to be the case. Nope. No, you, <laughs> you grabbed some lead uh, test kits from the store from Repcolite. We carry those, at least a lot of our locations do. And you brought some home and tested it in a few spots and sadly found out that you're dealing with lead paint. Yep, it turned pink. So So that's why we want to talk about it, because a lot of folks have older houses. They could easily have houses with lead paint on them. And whether they know that that's a concern, most people probably know that's a concern. But whether they do or not, not everybody knows how we go about looking good again down the road. And you're walking through it right now. So we thought we'd kind of share your experience with all the listeners out there. And hopefully everybody can get some info from it. So let's just jump in. You figured out there's lead paint on there. That's the first step. Right. And if it was just lead paint, it wouldn't be the end of the world. If the paint was still in really good shape and intact, just painting over it is not such a huge deal. I mean, at that point, you're encapsulating it, and most likely it's been encapsulated at some point previously. Right. The problem with the lead in the paint is when it's sanded or abraded and it's worked into the air and you ingest it or breathe it in or something like that. That's where it becomes a problem. Right. It's just on the side and you can paint over it. 
Much However, less of a concern. Yours is peeling. I have peeling paint on my house, which is also fairly typical with an older home that's over 100 years old. And that's not something that I'm willing to deal with on my own. Right. There's a fair amount of stuff you need to do to make sure you st- you stay safe. Right. People in your home stay safe. Your, your neighborhood. Pets stay, your, well, yes. Yeah. I should have gone mean... to the neighborhood before I went to the pets. <laughs> I was working You've my way out. you before. Yeah, I know. The pets, the kids. <laughs> you can see how I shake things down. As long as the money's safe, oh my we gosh. can always rebuild, right? No, so you've a lot of things to do. Well, in the soil, like I have a vegetable garden. There's all of these things to consider because I, once it's in the air, once it's on the ground, it's there. Right. And so what did you decide to do? You, you decided to contact some contractors and start getting quotes. Yes. So walk I, people through the best things to do and what you've learned in this process. Started Googling, you know, just researching some local painters in the area that have experience with dealing with older homes. And I think that's one of the first things to look at as you're starting this process is find people that have this specific kind of experience Mm -hmm. and that list themselves as certified to deal with lead. Because you have to make sure that they're going to go through the proper precautions to protect you in your neighborhood like you need to. All right. So you did that. You found some people, brought them out to the house yep, and started working through the quote process. What kind of things did you uncover or what do you think the listeners should know if they're dealing with your same situation? Well, I think it's just really important to ask as many questions as possible during that time. Um, this is not just information gathering for them. It really should be information gathering for you. So asking questions about their process, whether they're going to be spraying or brushing and rolling, um, what the prep process looks like. How are they going to be removing that paint? What does that look like? How much time is that going to take? And then understanding, you know, who's going to be at your house? How many people are on their crew? How long have those people been working with them? Is this a brand new, you know, group of five guys that haven't had a ton of experience? Because even if this company is really established, there's a lot of turnover sometimes. And so you want to make sure that the people that are doing the work on your house, on your specific job, have that same experience that you're hiring this company for. Well, you're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would I want to work for you. You seem like you've got too many questions. I've got Oh, I have some standards. Yeah, man. I guess so. How did it how did the experience go when you start reeling off your questions like a machine gun? Well, how did the contractor respond after he picked himself like off the ground? A machine gun. Oh. I paced myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um But I mean, he answered all my questions and I learned a lot about their process and their company. And I think that that was really helpful for me to feel confident about the work that they're going to be doing. Well, I'm making a joke, but I I guess I bring it up because I have a tendency, as much as I blather on on the air, when I'm in a situation like you're in, Mm -hmm. I will recede into myself and I will not ask any questions because I don't want to be annoying. Well, yeah. And I had to push myself to ask these questions because I had the same fear. Like, am I going to bother him by asking these questions? And he didn't seem bothered. He didn't seem bothered. And I think he was happy to, you know, even provide that same information with the quote that he was going to send later that week. And, you know, another question to ask is make sure that they're guaranteed Um, Their work is guaranteed. So this particular company, for example, guarantees their work for two years. And I think that's another thing that's important to understand. And then to receive that guarantee in some way that's in writing. But also, you know, these are people that are going to be on ladders if it's an exterior. Um, Typically, if it's a two-story house, definitely. 
And you've got to make sure that if someone were to get injured, that they've also got coverage for them, that you're not going to be the person paying for that. Now, there are, yeah, a lot of things. And that's just any work around the house. Right. Any other little things in regards to this lead stuff? Um, asking them how they're going to dispose of that. Um, you know, it shouldn't be left on site. That's stuff that they need to take with them so that they're disposing of it. And you're not getting exposed even just through, you know, throwing it away. All right. So lots of stuff. It's a process, right? Get started right away. If you're looking at a project, it's not something to just wait till a few weeks before you want to go on it and then start calling people. You need to start right now, probably for next year. And just start doing the research. That's the big thing. It can be handled. It can be taken care of. And you can get the house looking great. But it is going to take some steps along the way to get you there. Right. And we're here to help along the way, too. If you go to repcolate.com, we have a Find a Contractor button you can click on. That'll take you to a form you can fill out. Tell us about the job that you're working on or want to be worked on. And we'll get you some names. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Haley's new potential hobby, beekeeping. That's all just ahead. Stick around. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley. I just, yes. Well, no, there's that, you know, when you drink something tart, you have that funny feeling in the back of your, like by your ears. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have, I'm going to make a quick plug for the most amazing oh, my gosh, you're ridiculous. lemonade. Dole. We bought it for a, a an, contractor an event. event. Yeah. yeah. For the contractors. And there was some of this Dole lemonade. It's got 3% fruit juice, 3%. (laughs) And you can taste every single one of those percentages. You love it. It is so good. I brought some home and I made the children try it, but I made them sit down first. Told them, you need to sit down for this. It is amazing. And I just took a swig before we started and whew. I can taste that fruit juice coming through. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Dole Lemonade. <laughs> approved we by the Repcolite Home Improvement Show. Yeah, not oh sponsored. My gosh. That was free. I didn't do that free for money. Adver- no, I that's that how much free. you love it. I love it. Now, we're going to talk about something that you love. And I'm here to make it interesting for the people. <laughs> <laughs> no, you started. While I was gone on spring break. Yeah, I went down a rabbit hole. You started a new hobby, potentially. That was the idea. That was the idea. And yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's beekeeping. And well, you learned so much. I did. I have been getting these um, ads on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook because they know us. <laughs> yep. And it kept suggesting like pollinator houses or beehives. There's a specific one called Flow that is very cool, like revolutionized uh, honey gathering. Flow humans. beehives yeah. mm-hmm. or pollinator. What What is it? It's a Flow beehive. Okay. But I was getting ads for it because it is so cool. Yeah. And, you know, the ads are right. It's right up my alley. Okay. I was very interested when I started looking at it because it seems like... It just makes this so simple. Something that used to be so laborful to process honey and get 
it in jars and ready to use as humans. That was a process. You know, is this bees, something you've been interested in in a lo- for a long time? I've never heard you talk about beekeeping. Um, I don't think I ever thought I would be a beekeeper, but I like honey. I appreciate what bees do. For us humans, you know, we need them to survive. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that relationship. Okay. (laughs) But I don't know that I ever thought, like, beekeeping would be for me. But I did start to think maybe that was a possibility because I saw this flow beehive and it made it seem like... Instagram ads. Oh my gosh, this is so simple. I have room for this box. Why not have bees? That's... How... How cool of a hobby is that? You know, yeah. I could have honey on tap and You're not allergic, that seems so great. that should be okay, right? You're yes, not I'm not allergic like to bees <laughs> that I know of. I don't actually know if I've ever been stung by a bee. Oh, well. So who knows? Maybe you'll learn and find <laughs> out. But so you start looking into this. Yes. And then I start thinking, okay, how does this actually work though? Because this is this is a pretty serious pet I'm taking on. <laughs> Well, it's like a thousand pets. Right, exactly. Because when you buy a colony, you're either buying a package or a nuke. You know, you've got to know the lingo. And yeah, it's a lot of bees. You're buying you're a buying. nuke? Yeah, you're buying a nuke. And that wow. means it's a family. So, and whereas a package would be, you know, I'm taking worker bees from this colony and a queen from this colony and some drones from this one, and we're going to put them in a, a box together and ship them to you. So you're and getting... they'll figure out how to work together. You're getting a nuclear family, a nuke. You're a getting package or a nuke. Right. It sounds like a spy movie, <laughs> right? Does Haley have the package? No, she's got the nuke. She's got the nuke. Well, who has the package? We're not sure where the package is, <laughs> but at least we know where the nuke is, right? That's more important. Yeah. All right. So you, you started digging into this, and for anybody out there who's maybe thinking this is like a crazy, ridiculous rabbit hole, this is a legitimate... Hobby. I mean, this is something. Yeah, this that is something that people do, and I think it's becoming more popular now too. Now you can't because you don't have the space for it, right? Otherwise, yeah. you would have done it. Because that's you know one of the first things that I started looking into was, okay, how much space do I need? Where does the beehive go? And it was one of the first things because ultimately, what this led to this rabbit hole is I went to the Grand Rapids Beekeeping Club. And really, that's what I'd recommend, you know, if you get one thing out of this segment is if you're thinking about doing this, go to the Grand Rapids Beekeeping Club. They host a meeting at the beginning of every month on Wednesday, and it's at the Wyoming Homeschool Building. It's really an amazing place for information. But anyways, I ended up going to this meeting and I learned a lot. It's a two-hour class and it was on the first six weeks of beekeeping. What you need to do in those first six weeks? Essentially, yes. So you can kind of walk us through. We can assess whether this hobby is potentially something we want to do. Right. Yeah, just like I did. (laughs) All right. So what did you learn in the midst of this? So... The first thing that I learned is ultimately I probably can't have bees, actually. All right. First thing you learned is that that it's a no-go. I can't do this. Did you just go home at that point? (laughs) No, because it was still really interesting, and I'm I'm too embarrassed to leave a place like that. If there's people around and we're in a setting, I can't just get up and leave. It's too embarrassing. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) You got to be more confident. Like me. I never get embarrassed about stuff. Yeah, never. Yeah. No, I would have stayed forever. I would have acted like I was buying bees. Yeah, you probably would have bid on the prizes. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm here. I don't want to <laughs> look like in. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you learn that you can't, and and we. I think we hinted at that, but you can't because you don't have the space. Right. And that's a little 
Because you, you were walking me through a little bit of this, and it's a little strange because you wouldn't think that this is going to take right. up a lot of area. Looking at a beehive or, you know, the boxes, it's a stack of boxes that's relatively small. Mm-hmm. It seems like you could put those kind of anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you're good to go. You've got a beehive. <clears throat> but that's not really the case. They need quite a lot of space um, because of their flight patterns. And essentially, you want five feet around that hive in all directions of uninterrupted area. What does that mean? So let's say you've got a sidewalk in your backyard. Yeah. Uh, it can't be within five feet of that. And so a really, sidewalk is interrupted. They can't yes. fly over a sidewalk well, that distresses because there's them. Traffic. You're walking that sidewalk oh. on a consistent basis. It's not the sidewalk itself. It's you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It normally is me, but that makes sense. If you've got, you know, a garden that you're maintaining on a frequent basis within five feet of that hive, I mean, the garden's great for them, but you being in that area that frequently working or having, you know, a place that any of those things that are in your backyard that you're using on a frequent basis interrupts them to some extent. All right. So I've got to find five feet all the way around this Mm -hmm. where we just it's a no-go zone yeah all right okay and i think maybe i could find that but i still think that there's probably too much activity in my backyard for me to really have a happy home for them and i think after researching a little bit more most people have at least an acre when they have bees that seems to be okay a requirement So that's one. And once you have that land, if you do have a large backyard, if you're a little bit further out of the city and you have space for something like this, you still have to consider the light and shade requirements. Bees do not want to be in full shade. They need the heat from the sun to keep their hive temperature at 92 degrees. That's kind of their optimal temperature. All right. And so, yeah, they've got to have that sun. So, again, I wouldn't be able to have a beehive because I'm in full shade in my backyard. Oh, so that's a deal breaker right there. Yeah. Okay. But if you've got full sun. If you have full sun, if you've got a lot of space and you've got some ground that's high enough where you're not going to see any potential flooding. (laughs) Well, I'm stressing out already. Can anybody do this? Yeah. Okay. We just got to find that perfect. I think you could almost do it. You've got a pretty big yard. You think I'm capable? Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to just say, of course, anybody could do it. Yeah. Maybe after this segment, you could do it. You'll okay. decide. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I've got to have the space. I probably have the space. Mm-hmm. And I probably have the sun. Yeah, I think I can you do. think of a spot where I do. What other things do I need to know? Maybe should we pause for a second? Okay. And Let's take a take break? Let's take a break. And then we'll get to the practical stuff on the other side. Because you probably are going to drone on and on yet. We'll get to drones, yes. You see what I was doing there? (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about beekeeping with Haley. Yep. Right? That's all just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back, and Haley was going on and on and on, droning, some might say, about oh bees, right? Because I know there feeling, are such a thing as bee drones. Feeling punny today. Yeah, that's my little attempt at humor. <laughs> yeah. And no, you talked about maybe, you know, your idea was to jump into a new hobby, mm-hmm. beekeeping. It's very intriguing, very interesting. I do like honey, so I would prefer that you would jump into this so I could get the honey. 
from yeah, time to time. That would be nice. I'm sure I would gripe. Well, maybe and you, would you bring could some. have the hive, and then yeah, I could help. But... I don't know if I can handle the work. I've already got a dog. <laughs> I don't know if I need a bunch of bees. Well, yeah, and I think that that's kind of what we're going to talk about is it's how much work? work this requires. Because we've talked about, you know, you've got to have the right amount of space and the sun requirements, and making sure the land that you have this hive on is also not going to flood. Right. <laughs> that's a pretty big requirement. A lot of things going on. Right. Does it the get other... easier at some point? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure once you're an experienced beekeeper, this gets very simple. Once everything's in place and set up, it's just going to, you know. But you're referencing, right and along. that's a good point. I mean, at least it comes to my head as a good point. I want to say it. You're referencing a meeting that you went to, and they were covering the first six, six weeks. First six weeks of what it means to be a beekeeper. Right. What you need to know. And where was this meeting again? It's a free meeting? Yep. It's the Grand Rapids Bee Club. And they host their meetings in the homeschool building in Wyoming. They are in classroom two. And it's every Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month. And it's from seven to nine. All right. So you went, thought it was great, gathered all this info, and now you're dishing the yep. dishing the dirt on it. Exactly. So we covered the beginning part. What's next? So once you have established a place for your hive, you've bought the boxes, you've got all your equipment, your tools, your little suit so you don't get stung, you're ready to go, you've got to get the bees in place, right? And so when you're looking at buying bees, there's a couple options and one's, I would say, better than the other. So you have a package. We've talked oh, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. The, like the package and the new. I'm very <laughs> excited about this. And the package, like I said before, is these are just bees from different families that are put in a box together and they're shipped to you. Okay. Do we know if they get along? Well, they have to get along or else they're not going to survive. So over the next five and a half weeks or so, those bees have to kind of learn each other's rhythms. And there's got to be a system that they start putting into place because there's a lot of jobs to be done if they're going to make honey and be successful and is, able to survive. Is that on them? It's very stressful for them. Or is it on me to help them? Do I need to n help them navigate this or do they just work this out internally? I don't think they need a mediator. Okay. Yeah, they'll kind of work it out. Okay. So I, <laughs> I don't have to solve fights and break but up little bee brothers and sisters. Essentially, they're behind and... You're kind of waiting for them to figure out how to be a hive. Okay, because right? they're learning. Yeah. That's the, the less desirable option. Yes, yeah, called Probably a package. cheaper. It's cheaper. It's yes. the option I would choose. <laughs> and then we would watch the whole endeavor fail. Yeah. The other option is more expensive, and that, of course, is the nuke. Yes. And what makes that different? They're so already a family? basically a nuclear family. Yep. They've already been working together. They've created a successful colony already. So whereas the other ones are making a colony, they're forming that hive, being successful together for the first time, these God. ones have established that they are a functioning business, essentially. You know, it's like a startup yeah. versus a business that's already been operating for years that you know is successful. Sounds like a reality TV show we should just oh my put gosh, on, yeah. on and watch. <laughs> I want to see if the package group can get it together. <laughs> The nuke group, they, they really are it's clicking. It's like Survivor. Yeah, we're going to see who votes off The nuke versus the package. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you get one of these two options. Yes. And, and ultimately, what led me to the B Club is that when you're looking for either of these options, it's really important to know where these bees are coming from and the current 
care practices from that beekeeper. Because if you change the climate, if you change the practices, you know, how you're dealing with mites or how you're feeding them, it can lead to failure of the colony because you're switching up the routine and they might not be able to deal with it. So if you have someone in your local area that you can get these bees from and you're able to talk to them, understand how they're taking care of their bees, you can repeat that and be successful. Now, this is just completely boneheaded, but there are local people. Yes. When I was there at the meeting, actually, they were auctioning off a nuke from a local beekeeper. So. That sounds like black market. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over the language. Yeah, you're really stuck on that Somebody word. just tuned in and Haley's promoting I'm auctioning off a nuke. <laughs> I mean, of course. It's... At Repcolite, we're selling you paint. We've got nukes in the back room if you want to look them over. You know, I in this wish. day of self-defense, yeah. everybody should have their own oh nuke. <laughs> right? It's a deterrent. That's all it is. Yes. It's not meant to be a weapon that's used. Anyways. So they're auctioning off this nuke. And yeah, so local local growers, what do they call them? Not growers. Beekeepers. That's yeah. probably a smarter way to say that. <laughs> All right. Oh, I completely am new to this. This makes yeah. I no, mean, I'm very local beekeepers. And when there do was I get to the probably honey? about fifty local beekeepers in this meeting. I mean, it's pretty cool to see everyone there. Did they and treat you like one of them? Yeah. I mean, everyone was nice. You didn't and friendly. stand out like a sore thumb. I probably did. Yeah. Let's be honest. I probably would have. Why is he here? I don't know. He's probably looking for another room. Look oh at him. Gosh. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> He's so confused. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so when you've got this package or, or nuke, nuke yep. now you have to really start understanding what you're looking at because there's different types of bees. This is so intriguing. You ran me through the little bits of this, but go with it. I mean, that's where we get drones and workers. Yes, we get drones, which are males, and their whole purpose in life is essentially to mate with queens from other colonies. Somebody else's queen. So they're That's who they're working really on. Really not important to this specific colony, and you don't want a ton of drones being well, produced. That's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> the really important bees are the worker bees and are the Are some queen. of those dudes? Uh, no, none of they're those all dudes. females. So, so basically, most of your uh, colony or your hive is they're they're female. The, the valuable ones. Yeah. The non-valuable <laughs> ones are the dudes, right? Pretty much. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Okay. So we got drones who are going off trying to mate with somebody else's queen. Mm -hmm. That's their main goal that in life. That is their whole goal in life. The workers do all kinds of stuff. You don't want as many drones, right? Right, because they're not supporting the health of your specific hive, right? The workers are doing pretty much everything. Everything for the queen to support her, to make sure that she lives, because she can't do anything except for make babies all day long. So she is all really day long. just laying eggs on a consistent basis. Every day. Yep. Every How long day. does she live? She's living one to two years, but that's <gasps> way longer than a worker bee. A worker bee lives for like two weeks to 30 days. Well, they're doing so much. Exactly. They How are working themselves drones? to death. How long do they live? You don't even care, do you? I don't you, even care. Yeah, you don't, I don't even, even know. Huh. Remember that part, to be honest. <laughs> well, their lifespan matters to them. If it doesn't matter to you, that's fine. Okay, so the workers, couple of weeks, the queen, a couple of years, potentially, mm -hmm. thousands of eggs a day. She's yes. laying a day. Yeah, because that's she has job. to be consistently replacing all of those workers that are dying so quickly. 
Because without them, there is no honey. There's nothing for them to eat. Now, bees are absolutely amazing. You know, we know that. But when you kind of walked through some of the stuff before we went on air talking about this, I was blown away because you said the workers have all these little jobs. Yeah. And they don't have the same job every day. Right. Yeah. Their job can change, you know, day to day, week to week. And talk and... about what that is. What are their jobs? Because people will be blown away by this. <laughs> Most Except of the beekeepers. Their jo- <laughs> right. They know what's coming. Uh, so their jobs could be as a nurse bee. So they're taking care of the eggs, the larvae, the pupa. They're feeding them. They're making the royal jelly to feed the queen. So they're whoa, whoa, royal jelly. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. That's what they're feeding the queen. Regular jelly. Yeah, I want royal jelly. So, I've got to stop you. I, what is royal jelly? Is it as yummy as it sounds? Essentially, like this protein. Uh-huh. Um, jelly that they secrete. The bees oh, make it. So okay. it's. <laughs> no, I don't need that on my bread. <laughs> Even good sourdough probably isn't going to be great with that. Why I they... mean, maybe. 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 Maybe not. I don't know if I want to harvest no, thank the you. royal jelly. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah. Another job would be as basically a bee air conditioner or heater. So they're standing at the entrance. Let's say it's a super hot day. There's going to be bees whose their entire day is just being a fan for the hive. So they're standing in the doorway and they're just buzzing their wings all day long. And they don't even know when they when they wake up what they're doing. How do they figure out what they're doing? Who tells them? They just know. They've got the hive mind. That is so cool. Yeah, it is really crazy. Cool. It is crazy. But they could also be mortician bees. So their whole job could be, you know, getting the dead bees out of the hive and making sure people are healthy. Yeah. I people mean, well, or bees? People, bees. I gotcha. <laughs> bees are people too, Dan. I know, I know. So with all of this, you learned all of this at your little, at this meeting. Yes. This two-hour meeting. Right. And there's so much more. I mean... When you have a hive, you've got to really be looking at all these things, knowing what a balanced hive looks like, knowing what capped brood should look like, all these little bee babies in the hive, what that is supposed to look like. You've got to know the difference between that and what the honey looks like when it's capped. And you've got to know when you've got intruders like beetles or moths that start laying their eggs in the honeycomb because it's a good spot for them, too. Wow. So much. It's you th- I, how expensive is something like this? Um, you can get like a starter beehive for like a hundred, two hundred dollars. Um, if you want to harvest honey, which you're not going to be able to do until at least your second year, because uh, that's what the bees eat. And as they're just getting going in a new box, they need to fill those frames with stuff for themselves. Well, where do I get my needs met well, in like- this? Down a the couple road. years down the road. Yeah. Not good at waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But you can't have honey unless this colony okay. is successful. All right. So I got to focus on making the colony successful. Yeah. You're getting in there once a week. You've got to make sure everyone's healthy. You've got to make sure that the queen is still there, that she's healthy. And you're looking for eggs. You're looking for larvae. You're making sure that they're replacing all of the worker bees that are dying what and do you actually think? if you building. could do this in your space would you do it yeah absolutely super fun just for the fun of it i think it they are so fascinating as little creatures and that they do so i mean they literally work themselves to death like they do so much it's crazy that's what i tell my children 
like on a regular basis. I am I'm working, working myself, myself to, to death. death for you. <laughs> I'm care. a worker yeah. bee. <laughs> Except I'm a dude. Right. So I'm You're even a more drone. worthless. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna put a link in the show notes to the what was that again? The Grand Rapids yep. Bee Club. Grand Rapids Bee Club. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, and it's free. Free meetings. You can yeah, learn free. everything you need to know. A couple hundred bucks for the beehive, a couple hundred bucks for a nuke or a package, yep. something like that. Exactly. Interesting hobby. It's just something that we ran into, Haley ran into, she told me about it, and I thought, really, let's talk about it. Well, and technically, you could actually get bees for free if you catch a swarm, which they're talking about in the next meeting. Oh, catching a swarm. Yep. That, that sounds like seems fun, like right? something I could do. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll report back if we find out more about that. And if I catch a swarm, I'll be sure to let everybody know. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about painting exterior doors. I was going to say front doors, but it could be any door, (laughs) right? We don't have to have a separate episode or segment about painting a back door versus a front door. True. Yes, it could be a side door. Right. The same method works for all, and we'll get to that just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. All right, Haley, we've got one segment left. We've got to make it good. The whole rest of the show has been all Haley. Now it's time for me yeah, to salvage, salvage the episode and bring it back <laughs> from the brink of the trash bin. Wow. Yeah. I'm just You kidding. really talk some smack on here, you know? I know. But but when <laughs> when we're not recording, I just That's sit true. in a corner cowed and scared. Smack. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, you had a great show, Haley. It was Thank really you. well done for somebody with as little experience as you have. <laughs> but we do have to get to something really important. We had a listener reach out to us and she was talking about a project coming up this spring. A lot of us are gonna have it. It's painting her front door. And it could be a side door. It could right. be a back door. A back door. Garage could, door. Right. All kinds of different doors. If it's a steel door, this will work. But her particular situation was a front door, steel door, and it's peeling like crazy. Right. Kind of a mess. She wants to repaint it. And she was wondering about the steps involved to do that. And it's really, really easy. This is a great project. You know, one of the best spring projects, really. You know, for for bang for your buck. True. No, I would agree with that. Right. Super quick. You can do it in half a day easily. Easily. Get all the coats on it. Small amount of paint. Right. Small amount of paint. You can do it with a quart. I mean, really. No no investment at all, really, on the grand scheme of things. And the results, the payoff, is really, really big. Well, unless it's the back door. (laughs) That's not as big a payoff. Putting down the back door. Right. (laughs) Nobody drives up to the back door. But I enter the the back door. You do. But not your guests. Okay. So Haley comes to your back door if she comes over, and you want to make sure your back door is nice for Haley when she walks up. Everybody else, your front door is going to have more bang for your buck. But either way, you'll feel great about it. Yes, it's true. Let's get to it. Peeling paint on a steel door. What do you do? I mean, number one, you should scrape off the peeling paint. That's got to be first and foremost. And we just talked about lead-based paint. So, I mean, that is a consideration still. If you have a door that is older Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're thinking pre-1970, there's a possibility. So pre-1970, you would consider older. Well, in terms of paint. Okay. Not people. Not 
No, we're not going to go down that road, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to gauge where I fall in the scheme of things. <laughs> I don't think I'm older. Well, you've... I'm the older side of young. Um, okay, we're just going to move older on Older paint. Older paint. So <laughs> if it is pre-1978... You, you might want right. to take a look and find out if that is lead-based, and then you'll have to deal with it in that regard. Most of us are going to have paint that's newer than that. Especially if we're talking about steel doors. Right. Most likely it's a newer door. We are just doing due diligence to make sure we have been responsible. Exactly. Right? So scrape it down. Then you're going to want to make sure you clean it really well. Uh, we've got any number of cleaners you could use. TSP is one way to go. Spray 9 is a good degreaser. Challenger, some of the stores carry that. That works really well, too. Just get the door cleaned and rinsed, and then you need to assess the situation and where you're at. Right, because we're talking about a steel door right now, so you could have spots of rust if it's been exposed to weather. Right, so you're going to want to make sure that you deal with those, and you could spot prime those if you wanted to. Or, in your instance, Haley, you talked about this on another project that you did, you just wanted to prime the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, if I've got the primer out, let's just throw some primer on there. It's not going to hurt anything. If anything, it's going to help the top coat. So So what about scuff sanding and stuff? If you're going to go straight to doing the whole thing with primer... I'd probably scuff sand, so clean the door, yep. right? Get all the grime off there, then scuff sand, and then you're going to clean again. And that makes people so sad. It does. Why can't I just clean... After the scuff sanding. Well, if you're scuff sanding, you're rubbing any of those contaminants on the door into the door further. Right. If you haven't cleaned them off ahead of time. No, it's there. Yeah, you're making it worse. That happens with kitchen cabinets, with anything. So really, you do have to do that cleaning first. Exactly. Then do the scuff sanding and then a light cleaning to get the dust off. Right. And then you can prime. So if you're going to do the whole door, keep that in mind. You want to do that scuff sanding first. All right. So that's the primer. If you decided that maybe you don't want to do the primer or there's just a few areas. Or you don't need to. Right. A great way to go would be Repco Light's Duranamel DTM. It's a direct-to-metal water-based product that could be put right over top. Again, after everything's been prepped, cleaned, scuff sanded, cleaned again, you could go directly to the Duranamel DTM. And if that's the route you're thinking about going... Just stop out at any Repco Lighter Port City Paints and ask us and we'll kind of walk you through and get you more information on that product. We've also got a specific door paint called Grand Entrance. It's very well named and that's by Ventrum or it's similar to our interior uh, advanced product that we've talked about before. We recommend that one for, you know, interior doors and trim and cabinets, things like that. But the Grand Entrance is similar in that it dries to a really hard finish and it levels really well. And it's also what it, it, a modified alkyd right. is what they're called. So basically, it's like an oil-based product that cleans up with soap and water. So you get a little slower dry, great self-leveling. You know, it's just a beautifully smooth finish exactly. with soap and water cleanup. So a really good way to go. Grand entrance. And you can use that on side doors, too. Right? Because those are also grand entrances. <laughs> See, back doors can be grand entrances too, all Dan. All of them can be. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. So grand entrance would work on all of those. Repcolite's Endura is another option. So really, a lot of options. It's a great project. Painting that front door, side door, back door, whatever it is. And the, the process we walked through was for steel. Any situation that you've got, just stop out at any Repcolite or Port City Paints. Ask us. We'll get you what you need. 
All right, Haley, we're going to have to wrap it up and call it good. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The RepcoLite and Port City Paint Stores are open until 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.